play us in, Jim. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to the After Improv Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Agusti. Here, as always, with the Wizard, the Warrior, and the Maiden True, Jim Harper, John Yar, and Heather Anonymous. Boss, unfortunately, he's not here. He's on assignment. Was he kidnapped? No, he's on assignment with my parents. He is a member of the podcast. He is a member of the podcast, and he returned... My parents returned from India, and they demanded they keep him for a number of days to cuddle him and spoil him and feed him food that he's not supposed to eat. In a related story, our uh, guest tonight has been bitten in the face by a pit bull recently, which I didn't know. Tonight, we have a very special guest, a momentous guest, at least for me, because you know I haven't been in improv very long, a little over a year and a half, and the man sitting to my left, stage left, for those of you listening, doesn't really matter, uh, was my very first teacher in improv. <laughs> John is shaking his head. I don't know why. I've said far more things that would make you disgusted. but I shook my head then, too. He's a well-known teacher, performer, and you can actually see him in uh, Batman vs. Superman. Um, he makes ah. an appearance. I think he had third billing after uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Henry Cavill. Is that, I think that's right. Is it right? Or? I got higher billing than Aquaman on IMDb. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, like, awesome. You have to scroll down pretty far past... <laughs> <laughs> service worker number three to get to Aquaman on the IMDb list yeah. of cast. This man was my very first. This man was my very first teacher in improv, uh, and I feel lucky that he was, Mr. James Casada. Everybody, hello! Yay! Yay. Wow! Very enthusiastic yeah. applause. And you guys are all like kind of meeting him for the first time, right? I mean, yeah. you know who he is. At least hanging out for the first time. I know see you guys around a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we make the scene. But yeah, James, thanks a lot. <laughs> we are the scene. Yeah. Um, we are minor local celebrities. Exactly. Very local. Very yeah. minor. Yeah. I'll take it. So how long have you been doing uh, improv? Thanks. First of all, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks Appreciate for having it. me. Yeah, we I'm talked sorry. about this like back at, I think during Diff, like in the summer. It's like, hey, you want to come on the podcast? You're like, yeah, sure. And I was like, okay, let's not talk for almost a year. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's my fault. Yeah. Ways. It's like... But uh, yeah, how long have you been doing improv total? I took a class at EMU that was improvisation and role play. In, Through the university or? Yeah, it was a, it was like an elective. What's your degree in? Well, I actually never finished. Okay. What was so it? was not in anything, in? but I, I made an effort toward communication and theater arts. Oh, okay. Which actually I, I, uh, I completed everything I needed for the major. Yeah. I just didn't. Do the prereqs? Yeah. yeah. You know, or my fun- minor, because my minor for a while was philosophy, and then um, and then I like failed a couple classes. Oh, okay. And uh, and because I didn't, I stopped liking philosophy, and then I just never like corrected that or <laughs> chose a new minor that I... Well, do you have to have a minor to graduate from EMU? I think so, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Well, unless you double major. Oh, okay. Because Wayne State mm-hmm. didn't require it at the time. I don't know. They still don't, right? I didn't have one. Yeah. I mean, that was so a while ago. But. You picked the wrong school, pal. What, <laughs> what can I tell you? Well, I did. I no, hated that school. But, but it's funny. Brittany uh, Michael, who was on uh, two weeks ago, said kind of the same thing. She finished everything. She was studying uh, acting at Wayne State, and she finished everything except for her uh, general recs. But that was more of a financial thing. So Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I so so that the the class itself was in 2009 mm-hmm. uh, in the fall, and then by the end of that, Tommy Simon. I don't know if you guys know Tommy Simon, but he was a graduate assistant for the class, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. And at the end of it, I was talking to him about where it happens in the rest of the world outside of 
theater classes and uh, he invited me out to go comedy. And so in 2010, actually uh, like December, 2009, because I, I remember it being uh, over like the holiday break and there were a ton of people that came to the jam on a Sunday or no, actually it was on a Wednesday back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a blast. It was just a, a ton of fun. And so I um, kept coming on Wednesdays to do the jams and whatnot. And um, so that was a good six and a half years ago. Oh, okay. And you were living in Ann Arbor at the time? Or I was living in Ips- Ipsy, yeah. Okay. Is that where you, you grew up in that area? or? Uh, no, I, I grew up, I bounced around a lot um, growing up, but I... All Michigan I, I lived, or did you live out of state at all? All Michigan, most okay. of the southeast Michigan. Okay. It was like Livonia, Westland. Um, Novi? I knew no it. No Novi. <laughs> no I Novi. fucking Stop. knew it. Oh my God, the look no in your eyes. Was, Novi? Yeah, yeah I grew up, like, Dearborn Heights and Novi, but oh, okay. they think that I'm I still like I knew that. overly excited. Yeah, I'm not telling you were fishing for Novi for like That was a minutes. joke, come on. Pretty close though, I was, <laughs> I, my my current like home base is in Wixom. Oh. And I graduated from Wallach Western, which is like on the other side of. Yeah, I know exactly where it Pineac is. Pineac Trail from Nova. <laughs> if the people at home could just see the smile on your face when he said Wixom. So yeah, you took to it right like immediately, even from the time you were in class or Yeah, honestly, I had always had an, an inclination toward acty type stuff, mm-hmm. which I guess I don't really know what that means, but I I idolized um like Jim Carrey and was always very theatrical as like socially. But did you like were you in like school plays and stuff like that at one Right. Like, so uh, I guess it was an unnecessary preface about uh, liking Jim Carrey when I was younger, but um, no, I don't. I think it's very relevant, actually. Well, let, here we go. Okay. So, you know, growing up, my middle school, my high school, my first high school uh, didn't have. What was your first th- high school? The, I was in Plymouth for five years. Okay. So I did three years of uh, middle school at West Middle School in Plymouth, and then Canton High School is where I wound up for the freshman and sophomore year. That's like the Plymouth Canton Educational Park where they have the three high schools, Canton, Salem, and, and, yeah. and Plymouth when I was there in my sophomore year. And I, they have a theater program and everything, but I just didn't know about it because it's like so it's so big for a high school and it, it feels more like a college campus. Oh, so you never wandered over to that wing? It's, it's easy to get like lost there yeah. and or just not know yeah. about things that go on. So I never stumbled upon it. And then I moved to Wixom starting in my junior year of high school and Waldeck Western has a phenomenal theater arts program and um, they have a program. I don't know if you guys are familiar with forensics speaking and acting, but that was like my first. Why don't you explain a little bit? Because I know you're directing a show, the the parent trap, I think it'll it'll be too late for when this podcast comes out, but they're doing like the whole run of it. Julia uh, Schrader and Nicole Pascaretta on Mm -hmm. Thursday. Cause I honestly thought this because someone said they treat the parent trap, but they approach it from a forensic style. And I thought they meant like CSI. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it, it also cracks me up that the two of them, they love the fact that it's forensic style and they talk about it with that reference all the time. And I know that people don't know what they're talking about yeah. <laughs> half the so, time, at least. So what is forensics? Like, what's the difference between forensics and debate? Because I would always hear about both in high school, but I never knew anybody that did forensics. It's actually like a really interesting niche it's on a high school level and a collegiate level, and they're actually pretty different between the two of those as well. But on a high school level, there's a whole year-long forensics flow, and part of it is debate. Debate is incorporated into... Okay. Uh, and, I, and I never did debate, or um, Wally Western didn't have a de- debate team, still don't. Um, wow. 
but it's there's like legislative debate and then there's some other kind of uh, debate and then there's individual event forensics which is what i did and i'll explain that in a second then there's yeah. like theater forensics where like whole show productions go to tournaments to get kind of best in show so what what is forensics so <laughs> it's it's generally um competitive speech and acting and the type that i particularly am involved with is individual events so it's honestly it's probably as weird and difficult to explain as improv is and there's a whole like language and subculture to it just like you know we talk about like heralds and long form and short form and people have no idea what you're talking about if they're not really involved or most people don't care so what are like the criteria if you're judging someone okay so uh, just a quick overview is that there are there's 12 categories of performance and six of them are PA, public address, and the other six are interp, which is the acting side. So on the public address side, there's like uh, there's a subcategory called limited prep, where there's like broadcasting and impromptu speaking and extemporaneous, where you get prompts to give uh, what would be like persuasive or political speeches, or in broadcasting, you kind of cut down a five-minute broadcast from a packet of a ton of material. So and how long do you like typically have to work on it? Like, is it Can it be where they just give you a topic and you just have to start... Talking about it off the top of your head? That would be impromptu. And then okay. extemporaneous and broadcasting are a 30-minute prep time. And then you perform for oh, how okay. long the uh, parameters are. And then, so on the, uh, and then there's like persuasive and sales and informative. And then on the acting side, there's dramatic interp, which is performance of a stage or film script. Um, and there's poetry performance and prose and storytelling. And then there's like duo, which is a pair of people, obviously, and multiple, which is more than that. Did Julia and Nicole take forensics in high school? Are they doing? No, no, they have have no experience with it, except what I've described. And Julia went with me to see a state competition last year. And she saw it for the first time and was like blown away by it because it is it's very and if you haven't seen the parent trap but it's uh they have their videos on youtube too so it might even just be worth checking those out if you do miss the show but i'm gonna go check it out thursday cool awesome so basically there's like a time limit and there's kind of a loose outline of what the category should strive for depending on what you're performing and as a judge you go and like however many people are competing get spread out through all these different rooms and um there's a judge per room and they do like prelim rounds and then it gets like whittled down based on scores to like semis and finals and it's a very interesting blend between subjective judge to objective it's like translated into, into an objective scoring system that winds up you know being the basis on who wins and whatever but it's really really cool i'm hooked yeah you're still involved in this this is actually the first year that i haven't been able to coach for wild Lake western and i i've been assistant directing the team there for 10 years oh wow this, this would have been the 11th year wow so that's where i got my first exposure to theater and it's very very transferable on the acting side to improv because the whole the whole performance side of it doesn't involve any props or costumes or set pieces you just get stools and chairs and cubes or boxes Mm -hmm. and you can wear clothing that suggests mood or character but you're really just using object work and playing multiple characters and making interpretive choices that either condense a very long source of literature down to an eight minute performance or you're taking a very selective look at aspects of it and kind of blending it into your own interpretation so yeah, it actually is just hearing you talk about it. There are it sounds like there's a lot of shades of improv in there. Are a lot of elements of improv in forensics. Absolutely, yeah. And mm-hmm. so so when I found 
when I found improv and I took that class at EMU, I was like, oh, all the acting stuff that I've kept involved with or just wanted to have like on the side anywhere along the way in my life, I finally found something that I had been looking for the entire time without knowing it. Yeah. I didn't want to go into acting or theater because I feel like there's points in it where it becomes very competitive and there's, there's only going to be one lead role. And so it kind of gets very dramatic and tense with the social side of it or, or whatnot. And I had experienced just like observed that kind of stuff in high school and college. And I just didn't really want to get involved because I felt like that took the fun out of it. But in improv, you know, it's, yeah. it's a necessarily collaborative field and you are always working together with everybody. And um, But isn't there the same like competition though? Like even in forensics, because you're competing against these same people, even if you might be in a group together, you're competing for, you know, spot on casts or in shows or anything like that. Is that how is it different to you? How is forensics? It, no, no, no. I mean like that you're saying because you kind of were turned, it sounds like you were turned off by acting a little bit because of that idea of like, competing in auditions you know what i mean yeah. against these people but it seems to me like there's a lot of the same stuff in improv uh, like but you kind of view that as differently absolutely because it's always about fun we're not like no <laughs> people who are doing improv generally aren't doing it to make a living we're doing it because we just love it and have a passion for it and i'm constantly getting on stage with like a whole list of different people and i like i feel like it's part of my job as an improviser to authentically be friendly and care about the people so that when we get on stage, we trust each other better and Mm -hmm. have a good time. And I just feel like, you know, even though there are auditions and everything and different success levels in the improv world, that it's certainly not anywhere near as present as in the more traditional theater world. Yeah. Because it's not for a very rare few, it's not a career unto itself. It sounds like this is what you're saying. Is like, right, yeah. Because I hear a lot of improvisers talk about, like, well, it's a set of tools. Like, do you agree with that assessment, or is it something more to you? I would like for it to be something more. I, If I can make a career out of it, I will. And I am constantly just, like, pouring myself into having fun with it and getting satisfaction out of the passion of it. But I, I'm also always lo- looking for ways to, like, potentially build a career. And I, I think that it has a lot of skills that are transferable to other walks of acting or even mm-hmm. um, career skills that are unrelated to the theater world. There's a lot of usefulness to improv. But generally, yeah, I, I think that people benefit from it more in the sense that, like, oh, improv will help me do more, like, audition, uh, have success with auditions, or will help my writing and build uh, in a different direction from improv what uh job because you i was gonna say like making a career of improv you kind of are you were the house manager i'd go or yeah up until last summer okay and then what do you do now i'm the assistant director at pointless Mm -hmm. and generally I, i try to direct and teach and coach as much as possible at go and anywhere else then and then i have a day job now with an engineering company and what do you do there so it's an uh, again so this is another one of those things that's like a really niche okay <laughs> i am <laughs> sensing a theme here James. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> um so it's an engineering company that designs tools of precise measurement for automotive parts so the main job of the company is to design these tools and they go out they get outsourced to manufacturers who physically produce those designs and so when they come back from outsourced vendors a huge part of my job is to just compare them and do inspection on making sure that they fit 
the design specs. And I also track logistically as those designs are dispersed that they're on schedule or mm. um, that we have the heads up. So if I could break that down, so you design and test measuring instruments. I, I don't design it. In the, com- the company designs. I mean, the things. company does. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I basically so we're talking just, like microns here? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. I talk the exactly. talk, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you work in automotive? No, my dad does, though. He oh, okay. did. He's retired now. Okay. How long have you been working at the engineering firm? Started. Do they know you do improv? Yeah, yeah. And actually, a lot of people saw me, <laughs> have seen me in the in the Batman movie, too. So they're like, yeah, James is an actor. Did you tell people you're going to be in it, or did you just let them be surprised? The people that I work more directly with, yeah. I told them. I was like, you got to see it, man. Look, look for me here. <laughs> but then people who I don't interact with as much, I didn't make any mention of it. And they, they'll, they'll swing by and be like, hey, you're a star. <laughs> well you are but oh thank you yeah, yeah. How big huge is, part how big is your part would you like I notice thought, you yeah. if you didn't weren't looking if you're looking it? no if you well i don't I, know because I, some, I some think people you would did, yeah some people did notice me that i know i didn't tell so i feel like if if you're engaged in the movie it's like unmistakably me obviously if you know me uh, and it's a speaking role it well yeah but there's like a it's like a kind of montage thing going on so there's music and everything so why don't you just describe it all right here we <laughs> spoiler go spoiler alert guys spoiler <laughs> alert guessing game this gives away the whole movie so so there's there's basic there's a scene where Lex Luthor's having a party at his house or something and um I haven't seen it yet so don't oh, it's, I thought it's you, not it's not a spoiler I thought you very, and John saw it no I okay. I saw it anyway go ahead you couldn't possibly infer anything from this but there's there is Lex Luthor's house he's throwing a party bruce and clark are there and bruce goes down into luther's basement and there's like this kitchen staff there and of course they're all hispanic so that uh, typecasting um no but the uh kitchen is down there and so there's like servers running up and down the stairs and, and eventually uh there's like a montage that closes out the party there and um clark Kent kind of like follows Bruce Wayne downstairs and um, then he gets distracted by like some fire happening on TV and some of the service workers are watching the TV and so he comes up behind him and just kind of like so me and a, and a couple of the people are like saying short Spanish phrases like oh what's going on <laughs> so oh, no, yeah, oh, no, you're, but you're, sta- you're standing right next to Henry Cavill like you turn <laughs> yeah, over so he, to, co- he comes yeah. up behind us and, and uh, I'm very briefly in the shot my face goes right in front of him and if you're if you're listening real hard, you can hear me say "Madre de Dios, qué está pasando," uh, which is just "Mother of God, what's happening." Um, and then he takes off. How did you get the role? Do you have like an agent and stuff? Or yeah, I'm with Talent Shop Productions Plus in in Bingham Farms. And okay, I auditioned for it in March of like 2014, and I shot wow. it in mm-hmm. October of 2014, and I had to wait a year and a half for it to come out. So it's been a it's where been a was while. the shot? Where was the shoot at? It was on MSU's campus. It was at like a new newer art gallery up there in okay. Lansing. And what you use the kitchen of their art gallery? I think they it, just, they just turned it. They yeah, just they turned this, this area in the basement because oh, it's, like, so. it's really yeah, like the stairs area. So it could be, and then there's just a bunch of wait staff. Yeah, my might, favorite part of that scene was that they had the super expensive server room right next to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that'll never be a disaster. Well, yeah. that's what happens when you're a psycho like Lux. Luthor. We got a grease fire. <laughs> that was that was the craziest part of the whole movie, guys. But are you fluent in Spanish or no? No, but the 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 
um, agency really wants me to be because that would make me <laughs> much more employable. I'll just lie about it. I went and <laughs> Put it on your resume. so I try to be as honest as I can, which basically boils down to I can learn Spanish sentences pretty quick, and yeah. I have confidence that I can deliver them in what sounds like an authentic Mexican accent. So sometimes they'll do if it's like a script, then they'll um, send it to me, but. If it's like we just need somebody who's fluent to like be conversational, then I'll tell them I'm sorry, I can't. Do you identify as Hispanic? I, I go. I, the truth is, I go back and forth on it. Most of the time, I do, but you know, sometimes I'll be filling out whatever kind of like official document, and I'm like, I don't know if I, because I'm only a quarter Mexican, mm-hmm. but like my dad's side of the family is that's the Casada side, and yeah. so I feel like half of my family is Mexican. So in that way, I kind of associate like half. Mexican but the truth is that I'm only 25% and I don't have like I'm like third generation so So you didn't grow up hearing like Spanish in the household or anything like that very minimal Spanish Mm -hmm. between like my couple my aunts speak some Mm -hmm. you know little Spanish now because of that not everybody might think you are spanish because you don't speak with an accent like i don't i noticed that it gives me a weird window into racism like people will yeah. just say a lot yeah. of weird racist shit around you that like you're almost like you're not there uh yeah. so has that had sounds like that's happened to you as well yeah i i don't know like uh, <laughs> <laughs> jacob <laughs> jacob russell one time told me he would be okay with me using the n-word because i'm brown <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> I will tell you, James, that hasn't happened with Jake, but that has happened with more than one black person. I've had black people insist on me calling them the N-word. Really? So I worked with a guy that did that uh, when I was in high school, and I did it once, and I've never done it again. It was really weird. Yeah, and I guess that's the point where I go, I think I might be a Caucasian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let me ask you, too. In improv, have you... I don't know, you probably don't even remember this instance, and I won't say the person that did it, but I remember seeing you at Go Comedy once, and uh, you were on stage performing, and uh, one of your teammates kept calling you the Latin, and it seems like you got a little irritated, you, you looked visibly irritated by him doing that. Uh, I don't remember that. I there are, There's a few times that, that, you know, that it's popped up, and... I guess I was probably more irritated that like now I have to like, it's more of a pimping thing, right? That like mm-hmm. do this, do this thing. I, yeah. I think I get more irritated by like that than whether or not it's related to my looking or being Hispanic. Do you feel weird? Like, cause I will say that I feel weird using an Indian accent <laughs> in a scene on stage. Do you feel, and I've talked to other Indians and like Asians that, have a similar thing in Master of None that Aziz Ansari show. He does a whole episode about this, about whether you should do an accent if you don't really speak like that in real life. Do you have any like feelings on that? Or like your rule in the movie? Because you kind of like, you're like, oh, you know, the wait staff was all Mexican. You know what I mean? But like personally, do you have any feelings about that? About okay. are you being typecast or, you know, asked uh, to do a certain thing? Okay. So, so the two questions. One, I don't feel uncomfortable using a Spanish accent or a Mexican accent on yeah. stage any more than I do um, doing like an Irish or, you know, Italian or french accent yeah like that's for me the nature of improv is just to like uh treat it all equally Mm -hmm. the typecasting um i probably only really started to experience once i got into the agency because a lot of it is you know smaller commercials or uh photo opportunities where companies are looking for a look like a particular look yeah and and like not many lines or like big roles you know so they're, they're really just going for a particular visual thing and so i do get a lot of 
auditions that are based on the fact that I could pass for Hispanic. Okay. That's where it kind of gets interesting for me because I don't feel like I am representative of a minority culture because I am not strongly tied to my Mexican roots, nor have I experienced a lot of uh, adversity or uh, discrimination in my past that would make me connected to it. So it's, it's kind of a weird. Yeah, I can totally see that ambiguous thing for me. Yeah. How does it feel when you get the paycheck though? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you get your, uh, I, yeah, no, after, after, after doing Batman Superman, I was like, I will be typecast all day for this page. <laughs> like, residuals and stuff. How does that work? I don't know. It's the first movie I've, I've, <laughs> I've worked on and it was just like one day. I got, set. it was two. It was supposed to be one and they kept us because they, um, wound up filming later without having getting, uh, uh, they never got to the part that they actually hired us for. So <laughs> they asked us to come back and so you're all CGI and stuff in the other scene or uh, yeah, yeah. It is like a, just a they just made silhouette. a computer model of James. You know? Yeah, it's a GIF. Yeah, um, they I got I got the one paycheck, which is great because it, it's a SAG production. So like, if they have you stay another day at all, even for an hour, you get paid for a full day. Oh. Yeah, Dave Davies was talking about that. He's like, it really, it's all about like how many days you spend on set. Yeah, you know. Yep. That's where yeah. the money piles up. Um, Did so, you get your SAG after card because of this, or I'm eligible? So okay. I uh, and I think that I th- I believe because I also did that campaign video for United Way. That was also a SAG production. So I think if I do one more, I believe I'm obligated to be SAG. Oh, okay, so I, I hear it's amazing. Yeah, I hear you should you just do get movies all the time. Did you yeah. know that? What's that? You get like free movies. They send you free it's movies. Yes, Dave Davies told us. Yeah, because you know, because <laughs> Why? Is that because true? because yeah, because for the Screen Actors Guild Awards, you have to vote on that. So if you're a member, they just send you the DVDs in the mail. Is, is that, that how it like works? It's, it's, it's like it's like an open like yeah. write-in vote. It's for... like the, it's like the best. Dave Davies says it's the best, uh, or somebody said on the radio, this is the best movie club in the world. That's yeah, they awesome. send you screeners of the movies that are in the theater. Yeah, it's like a Netflix subscription. Yeah, they say like the, the watermark, but it's like everything that's out in the theater. Full movies. That's incredible. And then you're supposed to burn them when you're or shred them. them. You're supposed burn to shred them. Yeah. Shred yeah. shred the DVDs. Yeah. Well, you can shred them in a shredder. You can shred DVDs in a shredder. You don't know. Yeah, no, you can do it. Absolutely. That. Mine does it. Cars I'll show you. I'll show you after this. Yeah. I don't think it's meant. Are you sure you're not doing damage to the shredder? No, it's designed to do it. Trust me. It's, it's designed just, to do it. It's yes, like, <laughs> I'm telling you. Is that part of the selling? Do they have a video? Like a, not it, a video it's one of the features. Yeah, yeah. Like on the box, on the back of the box. Putting in a CD. There's a slot for the CDs. Wow. You know, you talked about you'd love to stay in improv, but. Having had a taste of acting uh, in a major production, uh, I'm talking about the United Way campaign, uh, and also the Batman, whatever, but more of the United Way campaign. Do you want to do more of it, or were you like, eh, it wasn't... I would love to, and I make sure that I reply to all the emails that um, I get from the agencies, and when I can, I will go in and, and audition. And if an opportunity comes up and I get an audition, I would jump at it and just like apologize later to my work. But for right now, I'm really focused on making sure that I have stable income and having a steady day job uh, and building that career path while I dedicate all of my nighttime efforts toward building and and pushing as as far into improv as, as I can. Which is really the reason that why I left the house manager position at Go because it was it's an operational position and while yeah. I was really fortunate to be as ingrained and like basically have an excuse to be there every night, it, I, it just got to a point where I realized that there were I would have to take a night off work in order to do a show or oh I see I, I could never do like um, a show with like a, a longer weekly run or, or whatnot. 
and I also felt like like mixing the two. Sometimes I'd be on stage, and they they were really cool about letting me get on stage while I was working. Mm-hmm. But then to a certain point, I would feel like guilty or bad about like, you know, if I'm on stage for twenty minutes, I I'm of no good to the yeah, staff like a 20 minute and break. everything, and yeah. and then vice versa. Is is that like if I'm doing a show, like you know, if a, if a troupe that I'm in is is featured in a lineup or on, on whatever night, and uh, I I got a stressful night for like bar and house stuff then i gotta like run around with like a minute before we get on stage and like transition real quick into improv mode and it doesn't do it does a disservice to the people that i'm playing with too to is, is that part of the reason why you stopped do, coaching uh, forensics too that's mostly because my day job has hours that are too long for me school lets out at like two fifteen or whatever and so mm-hmm. they're, they're, they generally meet from like 2.30 or 3 o'clock until maybe 5 at the latest. Mm-hmm. And I'm out in Westland and the school's in, in Wixom uh, or Walt Lake. So just making the drive there and I get off work at like like 3.30 would be an early day. And generally I'm there until 4.30. So by the time I get there, it's like 5 or 5.30. So I just, it's just not feasible. Okay. I would like to, to continue doing that. Um, but just the timing, I can't. So you, you said before elsewhere that you wanted to be a teacher since you were like in middle school. Yeah. And... So when you got into improv, was your mind already on teaching? Because you tweet, you teach a fair bit, as I mentioned before. You were my first teacher. Mm-hmm. It was a pleasure to have you, Tony. Yeah, thank you. That was a great it. class. It was. You know, it was an interesting class. Like I always tell people, I felt really lucky to be in that class. No offense, guys. I I've been in, with these guys in class since that class, but oh cool. Um, it might have been one of the smallest intro classes, especially when I see intro classes now. It might be one of the smallest. So it started out the first day. There were six. Then it went down to four, which is basically, but then for some, a lot of the classes, it was three, you yeah. know, and you were saying, you're like, uh, I might have to come on stage with you for your guys' class show. Uh, but because of that, we had a chance to go over, I think we really like hit the fundamentals. You know what I mean? I think it's a class I really appreciate in hindsight. You know what I mean? Because right. I didn't know anything about improv, but going on to other classes and other teachers like, oh, you're talking about some really high level concepts. Like even in the beginning and I always appreciated that, that it wasn't like, it wasn't like you were treating us with like kid gloves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think it, w- it was honestly a cool opportunity um, in a lot of ways because I don't, on paper, that class should not have continued. And if it, 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 well, <laughs> because you guys on, were miserably. Yeah. On, you mean on talent, not on paper. Yeah. No. yeah. Uh, on paper, because I think the like minimum for running a class is five people. And it, it had six people registered for it. But after the first week, um, one guy had to quit because of like work or something. And one guy I never heard from again. It was um, a girl. It was a girl. Uh, who was it? I, I don't know who it was. It was just, I remember because of seeing on the email list. Because I was referring to somebody saying like, yeah, you can be a lot no, of, you know. No, it's not true. Uh, no? I, yeah, the, because it was oh, all guys. And uh, it was actually, oh, shoot. Uh, I forget his name. But um, Alex? It was it was his mom that, that had registered for him. It was uh, the younger guy. What's his name? Oh, Alex Alec Gula. Yeah, his yeah. Mom, his, Shout out to like, Alec. Like, I just saw him like like five months ago. He was at the Ant. He was just on break and stuff. Oh, cool. He said he tried out for the improv group at uh, I think Western. He went to. Okay. But he didn't make it. I said, "Keep trying, kid." Yeah, for sure. He's but young. his mom signed up. That's so funny because <laughs> yeah, this, there was this kid in the class, Alec. Maybe I'll cut out Alec. his last. Yeah, Alec. I'll, I'll cut out his last name, but. Uh, his parents were both accountants. He was going to be an accountant, but his parents really wanted him to be a game show host. Like they never encouraged him to be an accountant. They're like, "We really want you to be like a game show, yeah, host and stuff like that." But like I said, like I remember, like thinking back on some of the stuff. Like I remember you were talking about this is an intro class, and I remember you talking about physicality is a choice. You can lead with physicality, and that's like 
it, like to me, it was like nobody would ever talk about that until maybe we got into long form. And honestly, I don't even know if a teacher's even like brought up that concept again. You know what I mean? So, but at the time, we we're just like, oh yeah, physicality is a choice. I remember you went to actually like a workshop. You missed one week because you went to a workshop in Chicago about physicality. I was like, wow, this guy's serious about physicality. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's the real deal when it comes to physicality. Have you taken other stuff in Chicago? Yeah. So the there was a physicality immersive at Second City, which is which is great. It was phenomenal. It was so cool because there it was. Um, it was a five day program, and each day there was a different focus of physical theater. So it was a great overview and introduction to a lot of technical aspects of physical performance, like uh, stage combat and um, clowning, and just like the dance and general staging and movement. There were a lot of really cool things in that. And then I also went back last year in January and took a long form intensive, also through the Second City. And Susan Messing and Rachel Mason team taught that. Hmm. So that was really cool, too. And that's where I pulled a lot of... What was the... The intensive was also on physicality, the, the most recent one? Or what was it? It was just generally a long-form intensive. Okay. Oh, okay. Because the Second City doesn't do... They don't really do long-form because they do, like, improv for sketch. So I've never actually seen the third act. I don't know. I feel like it's uh, more of, like... Obviously, everybody's like great improvisers, but like as part of the, the program, I don't think there's Someone, any, any like long form in the program. Yeah, I, I think that who was it? Chris Peterson uh, was describing it as the stuff at the end is basically like generating material for future shows. Right. Yeah. Like that's how it works. It's a right. So th- farm. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as I know, there really isn't long form dedicated classes to long form in the Second City program. So it was just like kind of a um, exposure to that for. Uh, the second city to offer is like an intensive over the like holiday to new year break at the beginning of January. And your preference is still long form? Always. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember you saying that was another thing you said to our class that we had no idea at the time. You're like, look, there's short, you guys are doing short <laughs> just form. Just wait until you yeah. get there. He's like, yeah. like, this is short form, <laughs> but uh, there's long form and I love long form, you know, and you're yeah. like telling us like why you love long form and stuff like that. And we're like, okay. I actually thought, and I was telling another guest this, I thought there were like two separate like schools, like you did short form, you did long form, but you didn't do both just because of the way you described it. Oh you know? man. Well, and I didn't do a good job. <laughs> so sorry about no, that. No, no. I mean, it was, it was just like, cause like you just got this look on your face. Like I love long form. And you were like, and also I would say you gave like a lot of really good advice in that class. Another one being improv is one of the only things that just by watching it, it will make you better. Absolutely. And you would always encourage us to go like on Sunday. So I started doing that, you know, and I go to Planet Ant now and stuff like that. And I think it's true. It's which I think is unique among. uh, And that's one of the things that I just love about long form is that you always feel like you're part of the process, whether you're in the audience or on stage. And it's just a different perspective. And, and, you know, obviously for present company, I'm sure it's a ton more fun in every case to get on stage. But watching it, too, like you don't know anything more than than the people you're watching know about what's about to happen. So you all get to experience it just kind of get uncovered as you go. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of backtrack on it. Yeah. Uh, because I don't, I highly, highly prefer long form. It's just what like gets me going. Yeah. I mean, I love short form too. And I don't think that there is like, nor should be a divide between the two or like a kind of a, a general qualifying scale between the two. I just think that they, they offer two different things that tend to turn people on in different ways. Yeah. And I also think that uh, they're more related than people might imagine. 
Totally, you, yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you'll, you'll see like the shades of stuff, but it, it does seem here. And I don't know if this is true everywhere, but it seems this area, it really swings toward long form. Like people start out, they'll take intro classes and do like short form, but there's very few, I can think of one, like void were prohibited, but I can't think of any like pure short form groups out there. Comedy sports. You're, you're like in, well, indep- independent, independent, yeah, independent. independent that like go book shows elsewhere to do. Uh, short form yeah there's not a lot i feel like if people get the opportunity i know that like some early improvisers have like stumbled across created opportunities for themselves um at different like niche yeah it's it's weird there is like this other weird and i'd like to explore this in a future episode but there's like this weird like external culture of improv meaning like there's like a group in ann arbor that does short form improv there's another you know not not pointless but i mean like you'll hear about them they like book shows and stuff like that but they're like totally disconnected from like the larger improv community you never see them in the theater yeah but they're out there like booking shows and doing stuff and like i don't know like the talent level or anything but it's just odd it's like this almost like they're too busy working yeah basically it's it's a weird thing i know you said you really like long form so what is it like teaching a short form class then if you and is the process a lot different or different at all like teaching short form versus long form or what, what do they tend to assign you i tend to request at go the um, advanced classes where the long form is, but I, I love intro one is one of my favorite classes to teach because people aren't exposed to it. And it's just one of the most rewarding experiences to share that with people for the first time. And same thing early on in, in any level, I, I love just giving people new, new tools or, or taking people to like new fun exercises or to think about and play with things maybe like physicality that um mm-hmm. they, they just haven't done yet or whatever it is so i'm still working <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to short form it's all really um aimed at the same thing which is just to get to the highest sense of play with other people to play together so i don't really especially for classes i don't draw like a, a huge distinction toward what i'm really pointing to I think later on in the advanced classes, more so than the difference between short form and long form, those are the people who are wind up being more interested in performance for the performance sake of improv, as opposed to maybe earlier on in class, you have people who are just like kind of like socially branching out or wanting to uh, build skill sets for just becoming better public speakers or in their job, uh, whatever it might be. There's a little bit more toward like the performance product in the advanced classes than there is in the earlier classes is more of like a philosophy kind of like how can you apply this to as a lifestyle yeah is a little more present especially in the earlier first two classes in terms of your teaching philosophy we were talking to chris peterson uh last week on last week's episode check it out on itunes but we when we all had him as a teacher he talked about a concept called uh robots pirates and ninjas Mm -hmm. and i remember talking to you about it shortly after he talked to me about it and you were like oh i was just learning this thing too it's called the head the heart and the x factor and from what i hear that's kind of become more like a central part of your teaching philosophy is that fair to say yeah can you talk about a little bit like what that means totally this is something that i picked up from rachel mason during that long form intensive And I tried to look into it a little bit because I've been using it so much. And I think it might be an original concept of Rachel's. Okay. She actually, when she brought it up, kept saying that like Dell thought it was important to have head, heart and X factor. So I don't know if it's maybe something that she got from like a Dell close, but anyway, she presented it and uh, I'll credit her because that's where I got it from. Okay. And we'll credit you because that's where we got it from. Thank you. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, play a game of telephone until we just get rid of Rachel yeah. altogether. It's like banana umbrella t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what that's what my method is going to be. Umbrella sharp banana t-shirt. Sharp deviations. Yeah. Not even close. Not well, even see, you don't because you haven't learned it yet. Not you know? even the same syllables. <laughs> so anyway, go so so. It's very similar to, to Pirate Robot Ninja, but the, the idea is that there's like three types of improvisers or three types of improv. And uh, this is my interpretation of it because I think she presented it as more like types of improvisers. And I like to think about it as like more modes of improv. But the head aspect is very dialogue driven and um, is concerned with specifics and patterns, game of the scene, and that sort of context. So those tend to be like your people who like verbally initiate a lot and forms like deconstruction or like a goon ass uh or is it more not let so dependent on form it's not more, so um, so it, dependent on form but there, there are some forms that like lend themselves more to, to any given style yeah so i would say that head the head side of things is, is pretty much i would equate that to like a ucb style of play where there's like game is seen and it's like more analytical and pattern oriented and okay. so it's kind of like mathematical and in like the approach to play the heart is more body and emotion and uh, relationship and being just like authentically connected. And I tend to associate that with like the IO and most specifically like the TJ and Dave uh, style of play, especially the way that they describe it in the Improvisation at the Speed of Life, their book. What's it called? Improvisation at the Speed of Life. Okay. That's the first time I've heard of that. Yeah, same here. TJ and Dave. I've never heard of them. Oh, no. It's in... They're the stars of that documentary, uh, Trust Us, This Is All Made Up. Oh, yeah. I couldn't find that. It's hard to find, but I mean, you can buy a copy, but it's not on Netflix. I I don't know. Have you seen that? I have not watched it, but I I would imagine that it might be... Bob Wick will let you borrow his copy. Does he have a copy? I believe so. I think I'm going to get it from him. Because I also looked it up on like, just to see if I could find it on uh, even like YouTube or or Netflix or anywhere. It used to be on Netflix like years ago. Actually, I saw it well before I got into improv. I didn't know what it was. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. But... I wish I could, you know, you can't even torrent it. Not that I would try something like that. but So it's it's called Trust Us, This Is All Made Up is the documentary. And TJ and Dave are like a prolific uh, improv duo that are based out of IO. And actually when, the, when IO moved to their new location uh, a year or two ago or whenever it was, yeah. they have four theaters now or four stages. And one of them is just entirely run by TJ and Dave. Oh, really? Yeah. For people that don't, who's the light-haired one? Uh, That's TJ. TJ, like people recognize him. He's like one of the guys in those Sonic commercials all the time when they're sitting in a car. Oh, I love those guys. Yeah. The light-haired one is TJ. He was in Oz the Great and Powerful. Okay. With Steve Forbes. Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) Steve Forbes is in there? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. See the guy in the penny farthing? I I tried out for that being an extra. They wanted, if you could ride a penny farthing, you could be in that movie. And you went for it? Can you ride a penny farthing? Oh. <laughs> Did you tell them you could? No, I told uh, them I didn't know what it was. <laughs> you gotta lie. It's like ride currency. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> Does Steve Forbes have like a? He was an extra in it, or was he a speaking role? They both have speaking roles. I the, I I didn't see the whole movie. I really just watched to see that scene, and it's I, I think it's toward the end, and there's like a whole like congregation of like whatever village. And uh, yeah, Steve's the real tall one, and then TJ's Munchkin Land. Standing. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it is. But then, like, why? Why is Big Tall Steve there? True. Um, but yeah, maybe he was TJ's, like the freak of Munchkin Land. You know what I mean? Like it was like a, yeah, like a, it was like the bizarro world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at that like tall him. guy. Why don't you go dunk a basketball? Uh. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that that's the heart. Yes. Yeah. 
and then X Factor is it, yeah. more of that like impulsive, visceral style of play. It tends to have like a lot of deviation and absurdity and just like really bold, impulsive play. So that's what Rachel Mason had described. And immediately when she started talking about it, I did I did associate it with the Robot Pirate Ninja. But yeah. the way the way that that's because I feel like the robot pirate ninja, which if you don't know is um, like uh, robot is is kind of like by the rules and like operational and uh, so it's kind of like the head thing and then pirate is kind of like the X factor where like just kind of comes in balls out and kind of Shanghai yeah tear energy. shit up yeah tear shit up yeah and then ninja is like there where needed and kind of invisible but doing doing the job getting the job done versatile or, or whatnot uh, and I feel like those inherently have like more flaws in the description or limitations than the head heart X factor, or at least it's easier for me to take those three and think about them as like modes of, of playing that we all have in us and that there's not like inherently negative qualities about them. They're just different. And so as, as soon as I started hearing that, I, t- I like it's I, every like exercise and warm up and form and improv thing that I teach just sort of started like trickling into these different categories. Mm. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, wow that's, this is x factor this is head this is yeah, yeah yeah and so i've been taking that and using that in a lot of different ways and for myself personally and my goals growing as an improviser and, and um taking care of like building on on each one of those things and and finding opportunities to really play more impulsive or, or like more like grounded and authentic so and, is your goal to be more because you talked earlier about absurdity like do you want to be more X Factor or do you think it's even important for an improviser to identify what aspect they gravitate toward? I think that if you take a look at your improv interests and where you lean, you'll probably associate with one of those pretty strongly. I don't think it's necessary to do that. I do think that those are incredibly useful ways of thinking about different show styles and different energies of a scene and different energies of a show. Um, and I think that, th- that the real thing is not to like figure out which one you are, but to just generally be comfortable with all of them. Because I think that they're really like, I started thinking about like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Oh, oh no! Didn't that voice? Yeah. Like, oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're good. They're going to take that, like, the farm. That, like the offbeats, for instance. Yeah. I feel like is pretty spot on to say that like Travis is very much the head in that group, mm-hmm. and I'd be the heart, and Joe is the X factor. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's true of of uh, the three of us all the time. Like if I like I play with like Presto Chain Joe, I feel like Chris takes care of that energy, that head energy more, mm-hmm. um, and like and Matt plays heart really well so i feel like because those roles are taken out i get to play like x factor a little bit more and so it's just like different opportunities recognized opportunities to lean into to one of those for yourself i i don't know if it's important to like get really good at one but i think it's it's uh useful to like incorporate them all into your playing style and seek to represent them all throughout a show but if you could choose only one <sighs> Choose one, James. What I do? Yeah, yeah. Jim is asking choose one. To choose one. Mm. Or what's one do you think that you have a natural affinity for, if you have one? I know you said that's not important to do, but I'm, I'm going to ignore that and ask uh, So I would, say, I would say that uh, of the three, I feel like I probably do the head side of things the best. I, it's easy for me to um, kind of like recognize patterns and things and make connections based on like just that kind of recognition. But I feel like the, the, the X factor kind of like impulsive, like raw play yeah. Um, is more where like I find the most thrilling fun and those opportunities are, are really like 
that element of surprise exciting yeah but they're yeah but they're they're also like the scariest how so because you're not comfortable uh unfamiliar territory yeah they can just be like kind of weird i feel like i feel like things that i would put in like the x factor pile of things would be a lot of the stuff that maybe makes people like in a trooper in a show like be like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like oh shit what are you doing so the best material so yeah, yeah. i will say like i enjoy that you but, know what yeah I mean? but it is but it is so yeah. like i feel like there's there's a certain level to, of safety that you get to uh where you're like you want you want it to be safe you want it to, to the the group to get better for you to get better uh for improv to get better and so there's like kind of this safety or guarantee but really it's still so necessary to have that element of just like every once in a while going off the rails or unhinged, but there's a responsibility that we have to continue to still jump on that and not look at each other and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And instead jump off that cliff too. And how do you think you get into that state of mind? Because like I call them grenades, like people that will either blow up the show or, you know, the, the, the crowd or blow up your set because they'll just go off into these weird, you know, things. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. Is there like a state of mind that you get into of just like, I know like people say, well, accept everything. And I think this also comes up a lot with, uh, and we've been talking about this the past couple episodes, inexperience, like you're getting to a point, like we're getting to a point where we might be the more experienced improviser in a scene with someone. And how do you, how do you support that person who might not be doing everything, you know, cause I'm more of a head person, you know what I mean? So like the technically correct and, or, or whatever, you know, like, Oh, they're not, they're asking questions. They're doing this. Like, yeah. how, do, how do I fight my way out of this? You know, like, or maybe that's the wrong attitude to take. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong, but you're asking like, if that kind of X factor energy is something that like puts you in a little bit of a panic mode, what's a solution to like making it, less panicky or like knowing what to do with it yeah i mean not even less panicky but just like not knowing where to go you know it's it's, that's part of the the trade-off of you know the unknown you know because yeah like i don't know (laughs) you know so do you have an answer yeah i think well there's a couple things in general if maybe you're playing with people who are more inclined toward that style of play yeah know that if it's something that kind of like rattles you then you're probably in a little bit mo- in the mode of like, oh, there's a correctness or like a, an expectation that I have of the show. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, then um, I feel like the best thing that you can do is like when something goes wrong, I'm going to make it worse and worse and worse and worse. And all of a sudden you like make a fun game out of it mm. and you like kind of alleviate yourself from this idea of it went wrong because you just made it worse. And so it's right. So that's a way that I frame that kind of stuff is yeah. like, okay, especially like in, in particular forms that if we're trying to like do, uh, oh, we're doing like an Armando or a Gunas or, or whatever. Yeah. And then like, uh, some slip up happens and instead of like letting that, that moment of like, oh shoot, we're screwing up the form happen. I will look to make, to just like fuck it up more. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's our form now. It's like, fuck it up. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not correcting it. You're just magnifying whatever it you're is. You're buying into it. Yeah. And that's exactly what makes yeah. it a good thing. Right. Or yeah. like turns it into something that we can all just like experience and have fun with together. Yeah. I think it's in probably a conversation that happens too infrequently that like, what kind of show do we want to do? Or like, what kind of energy do we want to have as we, like continue to rehearse together or do yeah. shows. And if it is like a, well, we want to make more impulsive um, decisions, then I feel like you have to be in a state of accepting ambiguity and inconsistencies. I feel like there's a tendency to um, want to like explain or correct or like justify weird things that happen. So 
I feel like justification isn't always the best way to support like just acceptance or allowance mm-hmm. can be a more supportive move when something gets weird is to just let it happen. Let it be weird. Like not comment on it or yeah. Like okay. uh, um, not that calling things out or being like, Whoa, what are you doing? I don't know. What are you punching yourself in the face? That's crazy. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. That's like the thing that we tend to do. And I feel like that's one way, but I, I feel like we, we don't often see the option of just letting it happen. And like, I like to explore do it too. If you like, I say, if you like do something there. weird, I will do it too. Yeah. And I think that's a key thing of like absurdity. It's mm-hmm. almost like the definition is like treating things that are so bizarre as perfectly normal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are tons of things in our real life that, that are, uh, that if you didn't have like human life context for it, that would be weird. I like to think about if you didn't know what a bug was or insects were, and I just started doing this, yeah, waving my, hand in front of my face as if I was trying to swat or catch something. Yeah. You'd be all like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you, why are you doing that? <laughs> but we just, t- we just like, uh, if I did that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't yeah. blink an eye. You'd know, oh, there must be a bug over there. So I like to take that route with those weird things of like, oh, there must be a good reason for that and just allow it to happen until uh, we either naturally find out what it is or. So you wouldn't say like, oh, he grew up in Antarctica, so he doesn't know what bugs are. Like, right. I feel like that's a quick write-off of yeah. like, ooh, good. We don't have to worry about that anymore. That's my specialty. <laughs> yep. <laughs> solved. Scene over. Solved. Good night, folks. Weird thing solved. Yeah, Let's move right. on with the normal stuff. Right. Maybe sometimes it's better not to justify something. And just, yeah. Yeah. Physicality. You're. I think when people describe you or talk about you, like one of the first things they say is like he's very like physical in his performance. Is that something that was always true, or is that something you worked into, or do you just? Is that your wheelhouse? Well, this is where Jim Carrey comes back into the picture. That's why I said it was relevant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like I always just kind of had an affinity for Jim Carrey's energy as an actor, and uh, I would try to like emulate him or uh, do bits and whatever that mirrored Ace Ventura, or The Mask, and uh, talking out of your butthole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, all the time. He did that in our class all the time. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> right now, you're doing short form. Yeah. Long form is great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, wow. Why is this guy wearing a mask? <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. It's honestly, I feel like I've always been uh, physically inclined. Also, kind of like uh, not directly related things like the fact that I uh, uh, did kickboxing for a couple of years when I was... Um, like early teens and I was a, a, a diver, which are like physically mechanical things. Yeah. And so I, I've, I've, I've had a, just a little bit of like building physical awareness that I think has, has translated its way into my improv. And then also forensics, like I said, I kind of set myself up for uh, having that like object work through forensics yeah. before I even found improv. So it's just been kind of like, did you ever uh, kick somebody in the face or dive into a pool of water during forensics? Yeah, we would do overnights at the high school, and I would dive and uh, try to kick one of the students in the face on my on my way in. Well, you put on a real weird cool. voice to say this. Creep me out. That's his truth voice. Yeah, I like it. When they they make noises from being hurt, and it uh, <laughs> really just makes my night. <laughs> this is now court evidence. But do you know, like, when you say people like say you're James is very physical, do you like that or? Do you feel that it's putting you in a box? Do you resent it on some level? I, I considered it for a while. Like, uh, should I be? I like, will say that you don't seem to 
like I saw you perform with uh, Presto Change at the end a couple of weeks ago. And I mean, you guys were carrying each other around, but also I, I saw less of that. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. That, that's what made me ask the question. And I also um, mentioned that you were going to be on the podcast tonight to someone. And they said they think of you as the scene they saw like last year where it was like the best relationship scene I've ever seen. So people don't just think of you as physical. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a huge compliment. I don't know. I don't even need to know who it is, but I'll take that home with me. That's great. It was me. Uh, and I guess that's yeah. kind of my answer is like, uh, and again, along the lines of head heart X factor and yeah. just kind of like branching out into all of them for a while. When I started out in like the first couple of years of improvising, it was literally my goal for like at, at least a year to, to be a cartoon character on stage because that's just what I had fun doing. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, one of my first troops, Legend Has It, which was a improvised fairy tale troupe, um, just really as an excuse to... That's a cool idea, actually. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Is that a form you made up or was it existing? I did storytelling at, at, with the forensics team and... Um, or I... I so anyway, uh, it doesn't really matter. I'm okay, gonna, fine. I'm going to open up. <laughs> Good, self-editing, game. I like it. Um... We're going to cut this later. So Oh, first guess to say that, I think. <laughs> so uh, storytelling and forensics is performance of children's literature. And it is just like, uh, it's very physical, very playful, very um, like broad, fun characters and accents and everything. And, um, you know, I, I just, for whatever reason, I just don't feel like um, most... Like in a montage to just like all of a sudden be like an ogre. I just I didn't give myself that permission. But like fairy tale improv is like boom i got permission to do like every character that i want to do yeah. so yeah i, got, I just, it was just an effort to like kind of um connect things that i loved about forensics with things that i loved about improv so when you talk about pushing yourself then like you know head heart x factor what are ways that you do that so yeah so back to this is like yeah. the thing is that, that once i was done doing that i just wanted to like explore other things and so i kind of how long did that last that physicality period i guess my goal to be a cartoon character on stage was uh, about a, about a year long endeavor, and then I feel, felt like I, I had so much fun doing it, and um, I really loved it. Was this early on in your uh, improv career? Yeah, or? about about like six months or a year into it, I just started having like personal goals for like to add on to things that I was learning in, in like class and whatever. Yeah. That was the the big first one was do things that a cartoon can do. <laughs> I think you've been pretty successful. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I look at you jumping around. I'm like, maybe he should be in a cartoon. Yeah. Did you write that down? Do things a cartoon. Yeah. Maybe. It was just over and over again before I went to bed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that lasted me about uh, a year. And then um, my next big goal was to just focus on long form uh, in particular. And I wanted to uh, get better at um, making initiations and being specific. Uh, so I did that for a while and then I really wanted to start working on like playing grounded scenes and stop to, to uh, try to control my breaking. And, um, did you break a lot? I didn't notice that you would do that a lot. I, I do. I break a lot. Oh, um, okay. I'm, hopefully it's, it's not noticeable <laughs> to derail I, the show. But. Yeah. But to me, like when I say you like do this, like little, almost like shoulder hunching, like, and you're like, like, but it's not like, it's not like some people will just like go and they're gone. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so I, I try to it's I try short. To, I try to power through it, but yeah. I'm breaking. Like it's, that's what's happening for me, or at least that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big goal of mine, and I and I tried to like, uh, well, just act or like be really committed to the characters. And and what wound up happening in that case is I started having a little bit less fun. But then I, recently I've been reapproaching like after the head heart X factor thing is yeah. like now I have like a different understanding of how to approach grounded scene work or committed characters and what 
the differences between that and like serious acting. What is the approach for grounded characters? To make strong emotional choices directed at my scene partner and then allow ridiculous things to happen or be said while maintaining that emotional relationship integrity. You give yourself that at the beginning of a scene and whatever happens, we find out that we're vampires or that we're juggling scrotums. Yeah. Then we can really have a lot of fun with like how relatable uh, our characters are while, while we're like also uh, painted in this ridiculous situation. I can't get juggling scrotums out of my head now. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Yes. (laughs) Well, you didn't break. So I admire you for that. (laughs) <laughs> great point Tony. i will say that people that through. come from like jim's done stand-up i've done stand-up i think if you come from that background for some reason those people i notice have a much less difficult time in my opinion i'm assuming have you done stand-up i've not yeah like for and i don't know what because it, i think in in comedy in stand-up comedy it's seen as negative if you laugh at your jokes all the time or at all like it's you seem to get more power from the dead i mean would you agree jim because I'm trying to think of a comic that laughs a lot at their own jokes, like Howie Mandel is one. But well, well, I think it's because you've gone over that joke so many times and like rehearsing it and trying to, you just it's like rehearsing for the sketch show. You've seen it so many times; it's not even funny to you anymore. Yeah. So when you get up on stage, it's not even it's rehearsed to the point where you don't even know if it's funny or not. Yeah, that, that's true. That's but, you, so, but I think like the idea of deadpan applies. Or is like a very useful contrast to what, because we're making it up in improv, content tends to like meander off in some ridiculous direction a lot. So the more seriously we treat that, the higher contrast and juxtaposition we can get out of it. And the, I, feel, I feel like the same is true in reverse, that if we're like playing really ridiculous or absurd physicality yeah. or uh, characterization, that um, if we're dealing with something really mundane, you know what I mean? Like the yeah, subject yeah. matter for those characters is, is really uh, ordinary or, or relatable dragons doing taxes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> if I, I've seen that so many times, I'm just sick of it. But like <laughs> dragons juggling scrotum. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. I'm breaking right now. everybody. The trick is you got to move your horde over to a, an Island in the Caribbean. And that way it's non-taxable. That's how these fat cat dragons are really getting away with tre- making us all pay for their infrastructure. See, this isn't done, Pat. It's just not, it's just not laughing. <laughs> Dragons have hordes, Tony. It's a proven fact. They amass their golden jewels into caves. Not saving it. Not saving it. That's amazing. Yeah. Comedy has a lot of cruelty, too. That's a, that's a big difference between there and improv. It's unsupported. So you... <laughs> I'm keeping that. I, maybe I'll cut it out. But I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it as well. So... You read comics a lot, or did you growing up? Yeah, I grew up. My mom was a big comic book fan in her youth, and that just carried on for up to this day. And so I had a lot of exposure to X Men comic books and trading cards, and obviously, you know, the cartoon shows and everything were a big uh, part of my growing up with my brother. Do you you have a big collection or no? Or has your mom bequeathed her collection to you? Yeah, yeah, she actually has. she has a, a comic book collection. She has like um, like five or six of those like long uh, cardboard yep. kind of. Mm-hmm. I actually I briefly collected for like maybe a year or two in high school, but I mostly read like The Punisher and Batman. Yeah, I, I never got around to collecting it my collecting myself, but like 
Oh, so your collection is entirely your mom's collection? You, she literally was like, hey, just so you know, I've decided that uh, anything happens to me, you get the comic books. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one sentiment she had about her dad. Was she, was she into the ones that were like valuable or just the ones? That yeah, what's like, like the, what's the best? Uh, what's just, the she bought the ones that she that she liked and read, um, and some of them wound up being pretty valuable. So she has like an original prints collection of uh, like the Secret Wars, which is where Spider Man gets his black suit, and so that like number eight issue is part of that collection. That's I actually I actually have that because I borrowed it to read, and then I just kind of like hung on to it because I thought it was so cool. Mm. You were eating Cheetos and stuff. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you played baseball with it. You know? Yeah. So how did your brother feel about that? Uh, he's in, he's into the Marvel and comic book uh, stuff, um, but. He, does he know? He doesn't I, I, know, does he? You well, know, the truth is he probably doesn't know. I don't think he's going to care. <laughs> <laughs> we'll share. We'll split it. He'll be listening to this. Yeah. He'll be like, what? what? I'm just kidding. He's not going to listen to this. No, I don't. Yeah. How was it appearing in a Batman movie? Did you feel like a traitor? Because you tend more to more Marvel? It would have been so cool to be in a Marvel movie. It was incredible to do the Batman Superman thing. But honestly, like, if I imagine the same scenario, but with like characters that, I, that I'm that much more familiar and invested in i probably would have been like just freaking out like you said you like the x-men but do you have a like a single favorite character gambit is is definitely oh okay oh yeah oh mona me yeah i know very little bit of of gambit i know he's a cane right that uh shoots sparks it's a quarter staff and he charges up playing cards and Mm -hmm. throws them he 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 puts kinetic energy into physical objects and when he throws them he can the object keeps all this extra energy and explodes. Obviously, yeah. many- and he was raised in the. He was born in the bayou. Oh, I knew that. See, I'm the nerd now. Guys. And trained as a thief. Oh, he is. Yeah. And then he waited for years and years to get the untouchable girl. So, is he a mutant? Yeah, hell yeah, he's a what's mutant. His mutant? Uh, yeah. What's his mutant? What's his mutation? He charges kinetic energy. Did you energy not hear the Oh, the whole thing I just went over. So I he, just thought he, he charges channel- it with like you know like a battery pack on his arm. Oh no. <laughs> That's, That's a reasonable Spider-Man expectation. Yeah. I didn't think that. Tony. Oh, whatever. Oh, so you're the baseline of normalcy now? Come on, get out of here. No, I'm. Yeah, <laughs> like even I knew that. Is what I'm saying. Gambit married Rogue. It's true. Wait, how did they date it? Because she, she touches had gloves. But then, how do they do it? Gloves, condoms. hand jobs. Yeah. Oh wow! So they have children. A female condom. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. could Saran wrap. He so, just he just deals with it. Like it, it only lasts for like ten seconds before he's drained. Wow. <laughs> he drains Luckily, his he power. So he so in that sense he's like a normal guy. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we're cooking. Yeah, cooking with gas and sex. Um, what you don't like that one, Heather? Yeah, no, I love it. Okay, good. That's what I like to hear. But do you think that in Influenced uh, because comic books is one venue that treats uh, that treats things that are absurd like powers and whatever as normal. Like, do you think that informs your love of, of absurdity, or does it have any influence on that? Um, maybe on some level. I don't think it's, uh, <coughs> I've never drawn that connection. No, drawn. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did That's there. That's great. Oh, so clever, James. Um, you talk about you've talked about previously. Uh, you did a your first show. In a bar with, uh, I believe their names were Darnell and Alex. Yeah. And uh, that you totally bombed. Oh, yeah. Okay, so me and my good friend Alex, we met at Eastern. And um, we when, when I first started checking out improv, I was looking for it in the Ipsy Ann Arbor area. And actually, there was a group that was doing it at a spot 
on the strip there. So we opened up our own comedy night. And so Alex and I were like on a weekly basis doing like short form and um, like jams and all this cool stuff. And uh, like we, we, we mixed the night with like stand up and uh, we wanted to do a commando, a two, a two person commando. And we had a proving ground set at go, which was like the old uh, sign up stage for troops at, at yeah. go, the show block. The predecessor of the Sunday buffet. Uh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the first show that we did at the place was called Theo's. It's closed now. It's long gone. It's all, it's called the Worst Bar now. It's great. Was the yeah. Improv Inferno also closed at this point? Yeah, yeah. I missed a boat on that. So we did a show and it was miserable. We had had like plenty of success doing all kinds of stuff at, at Theo's like up until that point. But we were like, we're going to do a two man for the proving ground. So let's do a two man commando for tonight's show at Theo's. And uh, it was just like excruciating, like nothing. Was it was it a big crowd or like what? What? Was why big, was this pretty pretty big crowd? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Man, so lots were of they, people watched us. Were they heckling you or <laughs> no. I mean, what was so terrible about we, it? No, the, it was probably worse that the audience was like very politely just like watching us crash and burn. Um, we <laughs> oh look at that. Just like <laughs> it was just like this very tense, like sweaty, desperate improv that like. Both of us, I feel like we're just like looking at each other in every scene like, why are we doing (laughs) this? We have to do this for a while longer before we can stop it. (laughs) Yeah, when you start looking at the Every single scene was like, oh my God, this is only the beginning. (laughs) We have to get, it's only been like 10 seconds and and there's like, we have to figure out what we're going to do now. And it was just awful. And it was actually a great, great learning experience because... I was going to ask you because you said you went to go. Was it the next night? Yeah, because that was a t- we were doing it on Tuesdays and then the uh, Proving Grounds was on Wednesdays. So it was the like night before our, our Proving Grounds show. And that, to this day, uh, the Proving Grounds show was one of the best shows that I've ever had. So what was the difference? We realized that like, oh, we weren't... We had a lot of conflict scenes. And so we're like, that was a, that's an easy fix. Let's just do more things that are in, in agreement. And then we were like, we weren't playing. We were like trying to make a scene instead of just playing. You've talked about that before. You said there's a difference between groups that work to be successful and groups that work to have fun. Uh, I don't know if that's that's the best phrasing for it, but I think that if I'm correct on what, you, what you're referring to is, yeah. is like, I feel like we have, you know, you have troops that are like, like your buds that you, you kind of play with. And then there's other troops that you're like, okay, this one's particularly about something that we want to like challenge ourselves to do or whatever. And they might wind up being the same thing, but I feel like generally you wind up with like kind of your, your home base. Maybe it's your first troop or maybe it's a class group, or maybe it's just like one that, that started off as, as a certain kind of project. And you just like, well, I just like playing with them, but you don't want anything like more particular than like, let's just go have fun when we improvise. Yeah. And there are other troops that you're like, okay, let's rehearse. Let's work on like a particular form or maybe writing a, a show or getting on the Sunday buffet or like we want to do festivals. You know, there's just more, more of a goal oriented groups versus just like, oh yeah, we should definitely do that troop again because we're like good friends and we like playing together. Yeah. Okay. It's stressful. It's, pr- it's stressful when you want to be good, when you want a show to be good. Yeah. There, it's, there's so much on the line and you get scared and you, you know, don't want to make decisions or have fun and. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it's kind of fun, like failing though, because you're right. The next night is when you're like, let's just have fun. Let's remember why we're doing this. For sure. I mean, I, I remember like a lot of the scenes from it, and they're not like the best scenes, but they were fun. And I think that's like the biggest difference is that like we were we were having fun, 
and they were like a lot of them were like really uh like basic or like weird but like we were enjoying it i feel like you know you know when people do break and um people tend to laugh at that yeah they're kind of like do you hate that or some people are split people are split on that i mean I, i mean i think you shouldn't do it on purpose and i think that you like i said i i tried to not break for a, a while and it and it just resulted in me having less fun but when you see other people let's say you're in the audience watching someone and they break does that irritate you or you're like i don't care or i'd like it i don't really care i feel like sometimes i'm like okay like move on <laughs> but like like <laughs> it, it doesn't I, I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about it because it happens to everybody but with breaking when it does happen it tends to you tend to project that on the audience and they're like oh like, like look at them they're they're breaking because it's funny you're right it is funny and yeah like, and I feel like it's the same thing when you get like panicky or desperate or you find yourself in like fuck world or whatever is that like if you start getting uncomfortable and tense that you project that onto the audience the same way that you do when you're breaking so either you're you're like that if you're in that kind of like panic you recommit to giving yourself to the show and your scene partner so that it doesn't read to the audience or you just like have fun like oh man like i said make it worse <laughs> like uh oh yeah. <laughs> oh this is a bad scene <laughs> let's destroy it i <laughs> uh, hear a rumor that you are planning to move to chicago is that true yeah i had actually been planning for a long time to do that for the last couple of years and uh right around now is is the is the date that i had set for myself and i made a an effort to do that and the plan was looking like i was going to be out there by may Mm -hmm. but it's been tougher to like secure housing and a job than i thought it would be so it's going to be at least a little while longer i'd still like to but i'm also thinking about like okay well if i stay then what are my goals and projects going to be in that case and i've been applying to jobs here too okay so my first shot which i was hoping would be I'd be able to follow through on didn't work out, but it's either going to be probably like an end of the summer or, you know, I'll consider what I do if I stay. Now, are you trying to get in with the theater there or like what's your plans as far as improv? I mean, I'm assuming maybe incorrectly that part of the thing is to be in a bigger market for improv or the next step of your career. Is that off base or? No, that's true. I think that when it comes to wanting get as much as I can out of long form. I just feel like the Mecca is Chicago and the IO and the annoyance are, you know, I just, I, I would be remiss if I didn't get a chance to experience classes or just, you know, taking a shot at, at being there. But uh, you know, there's, I, I had a blast. I took those intensives at um, second city. Yeah. Uh, and those are also offered at Annoyance and I.O. So one way or another, I'm going to get experience there. It may not come from, you know, mo- making the making the official move to Chicago. In terms of, let's say you do move to Chicago, or what are your goals, I guess, for the next stage of your career? Because I think more than maybe any other improviser I know in this area, you seem to, even from the beginning, have like a very definite kind of like plan and set goals of you kind of like are looking looking ahead. Yeah, I want. So the, the, the general goal moving to Chicago would be to get to a place where I can do all the things I'm doing here there, which would be performing, teaching, coaching, directing, improv. So it doesn't necessarily involve like I want to make the home team. No, I, I, I think that like those are like 
uh, steps along the way or like particular things that would, I would go along with, with that angle. But it's really just about like having as much involvement in every facet of long form improv as I, as I can. Yeah. Um, so that would, you know, like obviously I would be looking to, to get on like a Herald team or a, a featured troupe at any other theater, but basically taking the things that I've had the amazing privilege to do here and seeing if I can get my way up to that place in a, a larger scale improv community. I mean, do you have confidence about that? I mean, I think you can more than hang with people in Chicago Thanks. or LA. No, I do. But do you have any fears about that? I don't have fears about it. I just want it. And I have confidence in a, in a firm belief that it comes from the right place that, and it's, I'm not concerned about like fame or even like, you know, I want to, I want to get a day job out there so that I can do all the night stuff. And I'm not looking to like make a name for myself. I just absolutely love long form so much that like, that's just what feels right. If I'm yeah. going to continue growing, that's the direction it, it feels right to grow up, to grow in. But I also, you know, I think that, you know, when I think about like staying and like what to do here, I think it's entirely possible here. This, the, the Detroit, uh, uh, greater Detroit improv community is like in such an awesome burgeoning place where everything is available to anybody who wants it. If you're willing to put in the time and commitment to really, make it happen and um so in the event that i that i stay if i get a, a job here that i can like really get behind and mm-hmm. feel good about then that's what i'm going to do is, is uh i want to take a stab at treating the commitment to long form as involved as the commitment to a sketch process kind of you've been coaching the launch cast this past year has that come close to approaching kind of what you have in your head because i've heard a couple of people in launch cast talk about it and they're like oh we're so glad we have james as a coach you know and talking about the head heart and the x factor and stuff like that and how you came to them with a uh like a like a multi-page plan even before you started <laughs> i did i wrote out like a like the first 10 weeks of our rehearsal i, I had, I had uh, written out and it's basically how all these different exercises fit into those categories of head, heart, and X factors. So we had like a regimen of, of cycling through those. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, future kids are, they're my favorite improvisers. Like they, honestly, like wor- wor- working with them is like the biggest inspiration for me right now because they've done shows that I've never been a part of. I've never done some of the things that they've done. I don't foresee myself being part of some of the types of shows that they've been able to pull off mm-hmm. and it's not every show that they're doing it but i think that like once a month they have a show that's just like i've just, I've, I've never experienced that and i'm so glad that i got to see it and be part of like unlocking that that potential yeah and it just excites me that like i want to do more of it and uh if we can accomplish that on weekly rehearsals what could we do with more of that because you you know with with like sketch you get you get people to to commit to like two or three rehearsals a week for like eight weeks and then there's like a show run and there's hell week where you're like five nights out of out of a week uh you're like at the theater like making sure that you got it tight for the for the opening yeah. um <laughs> and uh i haven't rehearsed with like any troupe that i'm in in like a year Mm-hmm. it's like you can't like even like once a month yeah so i want to i just kind of yeah. want to like, i i i think a lot about like what is obviously the final product of like having a, a tangible show but like why not give that kind of commitment to a long-form product like is it isn't it worth seeing what happens if you build a chemistry or toward a particular playing style or show format that demands that kind of rehearsal 
I tell people all the time, I feel really lucky that I had you like for my intro teacher at improv because I think it gave me a foundation I would otherwise not have had. You know, I think the, all the factors, it was like a small Saturday class. And uh, like I said, the more I go into improv, the more I appreciate. I always say that you and Quentin Hicks are my two favorite teachers ever, which is true because I think I feel like I learned the most from you. You know what I mean? And that even the first time I met both of you in an intro setting, you still talk to us like, not like you didn't talk down to us. You know what I mean? Like you... It wasn't condescending. Yeah, it wasn't condescending and it was also about I want to make you better and I'm not going to dumb things down for you just because you're an intro student. I think that was the most important thing because... And so I always appreciate that. And I'm confident in your success, James. I really am. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. James Cassad, everybody. Let's give it up. Woo! Now that we've done that, Tony, I did want to add that I was also very impressed with your teaching methods because when we got Tony for intro two, he was very adequate. <laughs> I was like, this guy's got head and heart. Yeah. And something I can't put my finger on. Yeah. Some sort of factor, like a Y factor. Jim said Y factor, so. He's um, got head, heart, and an extra Y chromosome. Yeah. <laughs> now, James fades to the back line, but he's still part of the show, and he'll be taking part. Feel free to comment on any of what you're about to hear, or whether it's disgust or approval. But yeah, we talk about the non James aspects of this week. Thank and God. first of all, <laughs> see now you said you know because heather's like tony don't make a big thing about it you know so. tony i've heard well, heather has a story oh, no, wait a minute <laughs> to be fair she wants to make a big thing out of it she just doesn't want you to sound like you make oh, okay. a big thing out of it yeah, right okay. heather am i right <laughs> is that is that accurate uh i'm gonna tell my story i'm just gonna tell my story. <laughs> okay i'm just gonna tell it all right we support you. I'm yeah, this is the part about Heather's feelings. Oh yeah, Ooh, Heather's, wow. feelings. Heather's feelings. This is our weekly segment where All Heather emotions. Where Heather. We're and I can really I'm, just talk about anything because. Well, I I do it like all it to falls have some under the category of my feelings. I guess, but I'd like to have it some, you know, as long as it's interesting to our listeners, so, you know, Detroit improvisers and improv yeah. fans. Okay. And fans, fans of Heather. Exactly. Okay, but again, team. Remember, we're a team. Okay. We got to think up a yeah. name for Heather's fans. So, you guys, I had a really hard day. <laughs> okay. I had a hard day. Oh, that must um, be hard for you. It was hard, Jim. But it's kind of like um, a job update, even though it's oh. it's about my internship, which is not a real job. And It, it is. Mm-hmm. Heather, you do hard work there. That's I true. I do, but it's not like a job. That. I don't get paid for it, so I don't consider it a job. It is a job. I think we need to acknowledge how supportive Jim is being, Heather. Sincerely. James is nodding his head. Work. It's Good a work. hard job. Yeah. That I don't get paid for. That I pay money to do. Okay, so why don't you go ahead there? What's what's what happened? Well, today was different because I got We should ca- sorry, we should just say that you just for the audience's sake, Heather, not to interrupt you, which I know you do, but I do it to everybody. I did to our guests like a hundred times. You don't times. have to explain yourself, Tony. Okay. Well, yeah, that's right. James said not to explain yourself. Just let it ha- allow it. See, I'm learning already. But anyway, <laughs> you work at a school. Yes, my internship is at an elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids. I, yeah, there's kids. Mm-hmm. I work with the kids and some adults. I don't, yeah. well, they're your coworkers. They're my coworkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's hallways. There are hallways. Lockers. I walk, are they, car- lockers. Are they carpeted or tile? I'm doing a little scene In the hallway, here. they're tile. Okay. But in the classroom is carpeted. Oh, really? In, um, in, yeah, I think maybe in all the classrooms are carpeted. Oh, that's all nice. Do you, so is it like an administrative internship? I'm a social work intern. Hands oh, on. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Very. I was just trying it, to think of it why was, it wasn't classified as like student teaching. But yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Social work. Yeah. yeah. So it was very hands-on today because... You got a fight. Kind of. Oh. I didn't get in a fight, but I got attacked. You did? student. Physically? Yeah. That's a fight. How old were they? Um, He's 10. Did he bite your face? No. How? What's the size and weight? He has a couple inches on me. Oh. I have several pounds on him, but... Okay. Uh, like he could have hurt me. How, what uh, what exactly happened? He got upset. Was um, this in a classroom setting or in like the office? It or? was in a, his classroom. <coughs> so this is like a kid I meet with every week. Okay. But he's um he's hard to like it's hard to get him to open up and he doesn't accept people as readily as some of my other students do what are his issues like does he have a learning he's disability got a long, he's got the longest list mm. of issues of any of the kids i work with so um so that's part of it um so what was the inciting moment if there was one um his teacher was going to be out of the classroom uh, for a meeting and he was upset about it so we took a walk and he wouldn't talk to me. We went back to his classroom and he sat at a desk and just was visibly upset and I was I was trying to talk him into like doing something else other than sitting there and like continuing to just be upset and escalating into more and more upsetness. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you succeeded. Nope. So, <laughs> you know what? Um <laughs> I don't necessarily see it as 100% my personal failure, but a little bit. No, you do. I'm still, I mean, I'm still learning. That's what the whole so, point okay. of it is. That's important that you take some responsibility. True. Yeah. I mean, Very humble. That's how you learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I think he would have had, it, something would have happened. It was just like that was the day he was having. That yeah. Something was going to go down no matter who was there, but... Um, he started to cry and I was like, and it, all the kids were turning around and looking at him and I was like, let's go, you know, let's go to my office and we can do something else. So, you, you know, or if you don't, you know, you can cry, but like not in here. Yeah. And, um, he started like, he hit one of the, um, um, pair pros in the room. Pair? Uh, what, what's, I don't know what, what that term is. A what? Uh, it's just like the classroom helper. Like not okay. the teacher, just like one of the... Oh, is that, did you say parent pro? Para pro. Para pro. Para pro. Okay. okay. So he... How old are they? How old are they? Yeah, adult well, women? They're an adult woman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> are they usually like parents? Is this where like the parent comes in and helps sometimes? I've heard of that. They can be parents. They're not okay. necessarily... A lot of them do have kids at the school, but... Um, Hitting them with his open hands or closed fists? No, his open hand, but he hit her on the butt. Oh. And I was oh. like, you can't be hitting people. And then he did it again, and I was like, look, you can't touch her like that. What was her reaction? Well, she turned around and looked at him, but like, this kid like, does stuff like this a lot. So he's a reputation. But um, I've been working with him this year, but like, I'm only there two days a week, and I always like hear... Oh, he had a really bad day this whatever day that I'm not there. Yeah. Um, so I never like see him doing anything that bad when I'm there. Um, but like I kind of got in between him and her and I was like, you can't like 
that we can't be doing that right now. And he got upset and he hit me in the oh. chest and then ran past me, hit someone else in the classroom. Closed fist or open fist? Oh, open. Yeah. I don't think he punches. Okay. Um, but then he came back at me. It was just like. Oh, really? Well, no one could see that. But he was like flailing his arms. Yeah. And like, like a windmill, hitting double me windmill. in the head, in the back. Oh, so he really like attacked you. Yeah. Okay. And I wasn't. It was my first time experiencing like having that experience of, mm-hmm. of being attacked by a person that wasn't my sibling. Yeah. Um, so you've never been in a fight or anything? No, not really. No. Okay. There's nobody to fight in the backyard, Tony. It's true. How did you feel? Yeah. Well, were you I scared felt, or were you like, I mean, I, it was like, I wouldn't say I was like super scared, um, but it was just, it was chaotic a little bit and he's in a special ed classroom where a lot of kids are in wheelchairs or they walk with walkers or they have some kind of physical, um, disability. So I was more scared that he was going to hurt one of the other kids because all the kids like ran into the other room oh everybody left yeah and the teacher wasn't there right the teacher wasn't there there was a substitute and the pair pro uh and there were uh, there were three (laughs) pair pros in that classroom did they like how long did this go on did they run to stop it or were they everybody just like in shock they kind of like uh, so only certain people are like um trained in how to um close combat restraining how to yeah how to restrain a kid i'm not so i wasn't trying to restrain him also he's i'm not sure i could yeah um but he was like knocking stuff over all over the floor he flips desks and tables all the time Mm. apparently so it was i just want to make sure he wasn't hurting the little girl that physically could not get up out of her chair oh i see but that was um a new experience in my job. Heather, I want to get you into some jujitsu classes. Well, I can't jujitsu the kids. <laughs> it's so all about. I can't do that. Grappling this is why John is not a teacher. That's right. You can jujitsu kids because mm-hmm. it's non-destructive. It's a. It's a grappling. Not you a, can a, also get arrested. It's a leverage yeah. technique. It's well, all about. I holds. think that there's very specific training on what you're allowed to, how you're allowed to touch a kid. So, so what was I'm, the what was the end result? Like, how did it end? So he ran out of the classroom and ended up in the office. And I watched from afar, but didn't like go in because he was obviously <laughs> watched from afar. Yeah, uh, I mean, she got her opera glasses out. <laughs> I know. You know, turned I into, like, he longingly as like, it happened <laughs> in the window. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like watching. I was like standing. Sometimes I like, I like stand around corners and like sneak watch what they're doing. Be- <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, because because this kid gets set off by me sometimes, I feel like. No idea what that's like. Oh, yeah. And, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I want to stay close because I want to make sure, like, I don't know what he's going to do, who else is around. Like, I don't leave him there by himself, but like so they, another. So they had no idea what had just happened. The they people... didn't know what set it off, but they know him. So they. So I texted. I texted my, my social worker. Oh, okay. Who was in the office. But it turned into like a big dramatic thing with more more hitting other staff members oh really 
but it was like it a sounds major like it's meltdown. not it's not unusual for him though for him to hit staff members no. and his mom I found it came interesting that you say this happens all the time but nobody knows what sets him off well no we know what sets him off but they didn't necessarily know which thing it was today so do you think there's anything that you could have done differently it sounds like no honestly i probably should have just left the classroom Mm. But the same thing. What do you mean? Left happened. the classroom before he attacked you, or what? Yeah, when when I real like, cause he did. He wasn't talking to me. He wasn't telling me anything. Like, that's what we do. Like when we meet, I try to get him to at least talk to me. Mm. <laughs> right, but, but if that's not how he communicates, then that would set him off. Well, no, he he does he talks, but it's like the and that's the thing that like it's. I mean, it's complicated. I don't know if I want to go into the whole, like this kid's whole. Yeah, story, maybe not. Because that's long. But yeah, I think that um, I didn't want to leave the classroom because his I knew his teacher was gone and I knew he was oh, yeah, kind of teetering right. a little bit. He was mm-hmm. upset. I knew he was upset. Yeah. And I, I kind of didn't want to just leave him there. So I stayed. But then I was like, and poked Should? him with a stick. Yeah, I just poked him. Hmm. I just tried to make him upset to would, see what would happen. An experiment. No, no I tried to com- I like try- see? I tried to comfort. That's how him. you do it, Heather. I tried to comfort him mm-hmm. um, to the best of my ability, but like it's it's hard when you don't have um, like a, a established like close relationship with some of these kids, and like because certain people probably could have calmed him down. Yeah, but he doesn't. You feel don't. That, like, you don't have that rapport with him. Right. Now, did that, does that make you reconsider or... Because it's one thing to like pursue a career and mm-hmm. then... Like I remember when I graduated from journalism school, the very last class, the teacher's like, now you're going to go out in the world, you're going to unlearn everything you just learned. And he was very... That was the most honest thing I heard in all of college. Um, and so to actually, you know, it's one thing to like know theory and like, okay, this is situation. What was it like actually where you're like, oh, what am I doing? Or did it reaffirm what you want to do or no effect? Well, I mean, I I enjoy working at the school, but my intention is not to work with school-aged special ed kids. Okay. That's like not, I mean, if I end up there one day, maybe I, I might, what? but that's not my like specific thing I want to do. Then what is the specific thing you want to do? You want to work with normal kids? Um, well, I wouldn't say normal, and I... I Skewed? I don't necessarily want to be in a school setting. I want to work with youth, but I don't necessarily want to be in a school. So, so why with, did you take the internship then? Well, there's it's not uh, I. Is it like a forced internship? Like you have to get an, well, you have to have an internship, okay. and you can make suggestions of places that you would like to be. But there are hundreds of students in this program, and they all have to have an internship. So um, I didn't get like the the one that I necessarily um, was my first choice. Oh yeah, that because, one because there's hundreds of you're saying there's hundreds of students who are out there looking for the same jobs that you are. Yeah, they're like Wayne. There's hundreds of students from Wayne State in my program that all have to have an internship. Yeah, and then there's people from Oakland that all have yeah. to have an internship. So mm-hmm. it's like there's there's limited spaces. I but I want to work with youth i haven't hadn't worked with elementary school kids um that much is, is was, that gonna be the same thing with the job market once you 
graduate though? What? Because all those hundreds of people who are internships now, when they graduate, they're going to need yeah, they all want to yeah, they're all trying to get jobs right now. So it'll probably be the same thing where you get out and you'll get a job where you don't want to be. I'm yeah, my first. I'm not. I don't intend my first job to be the only job I ever have. Right. But I think that and she the, has to get her hours in. Where you like three thousand? I have to get four thousand hours. Yeah, four thousand hours. I, I, how I many? Think how long does that take? Four thousand hours is like two years full time. Okay. Um, but I mean, I think that every job that I do will probably teach me something. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like just teaching me I don't want to do this, or you know. Did this teacher, you don't want to do this? No. I mean... Are there any consequences for that kid, for his hitting or anything? Um, He went home, but... And oh, yes. I mean, the there's ward. not... The best punishment on earth. Well, it wasn't a punishment. Like, he couldn't stay there. Oh, I see. Like, he just... he They couldn't calm him down. His mom came and couldn't calm him down. I see. And had to leave and get his dad. And also the police officer came. So it was like... So, you know, to tie in with the segment, what are your feelings on this? My feelings were I felt I felt really sad uh, because like there's a lot of kids in in my school that have behavior issues, but like and you know it, it's I didn't want that kid to hit me and I didn't like it causes a big like ordeal in the whole school and it's like but and he needs to work on behavior issues but it's like this kid like isn't necessarily in control really of all this stuff yeah um and like uh he has like fetal alcohol syndrome he's on the autism spectrum he is cognitively impaired he's got like the longest like bipolar like had some psychotic symptoms but they don't want to diagnose him with like schizophrenia yet because he's young so he's got like a long list let me ask you something uh with like special education students or students that have all these needs is there a point that a student reaches in the public school system where they're like he can't be here he's too much of a detriment or a danger or is that are they obligated to there is well i mean um I don't, I don't know um, if they could be like, we don't want you anymore. I'm not saying that's the thing for this but, kid. I'm just asking if there is there. Like, I mean, there a are line. other schools, and that's like a thing we talked about specifically with this kid. Like, where's the best place for him to go? Yeah. But it's hard because I mean, there are um, a few other schools in the area that are like specifically for kids with autism, um, or like more um like lower functioning but he's not really that low functioning and like just the culture and the like way that certain schools are um structured like it's like well if he has a lot of behavior problems the school won't let him stay there like these other like non-public schools mm-hmm. um so it's hard to know where to he's gonna do well and that also will accept him so James, have you ever had a, a student uh get physical with you or attack you or threaten you? Either in improv or in uh like forensics or uh no, I'm very quick to take them down. You're pretty intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. That's a problem I have. I don't necessarily want to be intimidating, but none of those kids at that school give a fuck. 
what I say sometimes. <laughs> I feel the same way about improv students. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> you tell them not to have their back to the audience, and they're like, okay, yeah. and they do it immediately. <laughs> I, st- I, st- I still remember in class one day, you were like, I can't even do this on the podcast, but you did this imitation of somebody like, if you're going to clap, you know, you're way into a scene, just clap. Don't sit there. And you did like this thing where you get your face got really big, like you want to clap, and you just look so excited. I we just all that. busted out laughing. It's like, so, that's the clap bubble where yeah. you kind of like bring your hands out yeah. like you're ready. You yeah. And you're like, now I'm in. <laughs> but, um, okay, so you've never had that issue. How do you think, as a fellow teacher, James, uh, well, as a teacher, how do you feel Heather handled this situation? I'm. It's a fair assessment that, like, it's it's tough to know what's needed and, um, like, possible. Because I, I, I know a little bit about uh, special needs students and, like, triggers for... Um, uh, violent tendencies and stuff. So uh, I think you did the the right thing by just kind of um, doing what you can to not make things worse, and uh, then yeah. knowing next time that maybe if you see the same signs to remove yourself from the situation. But it's tough because like like that's not your specialty or what you want to get involved in. So yeah, it's like what you know you don't have like necessarily training uh, on what to do um, in particular. I feel like that was too serious of an answer. No, that's a, this is a serious topic. That's what Heather's feelings My is all feelings about. My feelings are serious. I just felt like, you know, this kid has got so many things stacked against him, and so many of them weren't his fault or in his control at all. Hmm. Um, and I just think about, like, uh, he's, all, he's not with his uh, birth parents. He has adopted parents. And I just think about, like, people that, set their kids up for failure and that makes me sad well heather we all feel for you thank you and that was heather's feelings everybody i feel there should be some music here but there's not put some sad music in here tony you Uh, can make music that's true i'll put in some sad music (laughs) i thought you were about to be doing the godfather theme (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even know if I know the guy by the thing. Anyway, now we move on to job update. Job update. I hope I have a First real of job all, update soon. Yeah, you will. Um, James gave us a job update teaser because he's like looking around. Chicago bound. I ran that. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, yeah. I was all off the cuff, guys. But Jim, it's more of a job update chastisement. I feel like I'm being attacked. Well, right? you are, you being, are attacked being attacked because last week. Okay, let me just let's start this off. Well, okay. I guys, understand why. Don't attack saying. Jim. Oh, please, Heather. Heather, he Heather you need I to, deserve it. <laughs> but, it's, but it's not nice. It's not nice, but it's fair. You know what I mean? This it is. is. This is an improv podcast, but it's, it's run like a dictatorship. This is right. right? Oh. This is one time I disagree with you. Honey. All right. Well, listen. Well, this is our first disagreement. Jim I hope say- we got this on tape, Tony. No, it's it's Jim saying that he should be treated more harshly, <clears throat> which I agree with. Okay, I'll do right. it. Well, I'll me, do it, let's just Let's try and find the truth here, okay? It's not about attacking. It's about finding the truth. It's truth. So last week, we said job updates, and Jim's like, hey, you know, I passed my real estate exam. Hey, great for you. And you in the previous weeks, you had said, you know what? 
real estate, guys, is the kind of job where you don't have to quit your current job. Jim works at a large, well, Jim worked at a large national grocery concern. Um, Foreshadowing. Yeah. Do you, we could probably say the name now, right? Don't say the name. Don't All say right, the fine. name. I won't That's say the name. Free advertisement. We'll okay. Some... It's enough to know that it's a grocery concern. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> They're very concerned. Yes. And and so, job update. And I saw John looking at Jim during the well, whole thing. Well, I said it. I was like, oh, Jim has a job update because yeah. I heard the rumor. Yeah, shame on John. He well, knew the secret. Well, he was. Uh, I heard a rumor. He respected your privacy, first of all. Kudos oh, to John. John respecting privacy. And so then it's a job update. And then after we stop recording, you're like, and by the way, you said, yeah, real estate's the kind of job. You know, you don't have to quit your current job. You just like work your way into it. And when you start building up stuff, then a lot of people switch over. A lot of people do that. We're like, Jim, very sensible. Because, James, <laughs> for if you don't know, Jim had a job at a car dealership that he was very excited about. And he quit after three days because it wasn't for him. Fine. You know, Tony, this may be our fault because we, just like you said, very sensible, Jim. At that moment, we should have known. That's not Jim. Exactly. You know what? Thank shame, you. Shame on us. So anyway. I was testing after, all of you. After we get off the air, Jim's like... Oh, yeah, by the way, I quit my job at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. And why would you not say that for because a job update? it was not finalized at that point. So probably... That, wait, that's not true because you told us you would email them like that day yes, or the day before. but I didn't... But then maybe they didn't reply? They didn't reply at that point. Uh-huh. If they did not reply, were you going to go into work? No, he was done. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like how... I feel, I feel like quitting. The confirmation comes from solely from you. I quit. Yeah. Yes. Isn't that like they have to I give you realize, permission? I realize that. I, I I feel like I feel like the conversation rarely goes. I quit. Me. No, Mr. Stevenson. I quit. Do you agree? Yeah. No, I don't. Well, I'll I you thought in a week. I thought there was going to be a little. I thought they'd be like, no, no, because I mean, I've gotten like employee of the month last month and stuff like that. Not <laughs> that they were going to be that? like. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh, you had another job that? update you missed. Oh, uh, well, I missed that one. But anyway, <laughs> God. I was seriously like probably their best employee, and I figured them to be like calling me. <laughs> you know what? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna go, to go ahead and say you're not, like, <laughs> because the best employee wouldn't just quit like that. Yeah, Tony, wouldn't. we should call the store and play him that audio clip. I want to interview your boss and ask if you're the best employee. Um, <laughs> you know, I was thinking like, oh, we're going to call me and send me emails and stuff. Like, no, you got to at least put it in your two weeks and stuff. <laughs> I'm like... And they just sent me an email because I sent them a really nice email, you know, like, I, you know, like. What did it say? Was it really nice? It was not an, I, I well, guarantee like, it's not a nice It was nice and professional. What did it say? Was it even more I than quit. three sentences? Yeah, it, pro- it was three paragraphs. Okay. Wow. And. Um, you know what? You're going to read this email on the next episode of the can podcast. Can I read it? Can yeah, I Heather read can read it. it. Yes. Bring um, it in. Tony, he probably has his email on his phone. We I know, but right I now. can look at it right now. I'm, it's very available to me. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do it next week. We're running a little. Next we're, guest we're, huh? Do a dramatic reading. Oh, right? that's a good one. Uh, Who's on next week? Is it Sean? Yeah. Is it Sean? I think it's Sean McGettigan. But I might cut that out. If it's wrong, I'm going to cut it out. But if it's right, I'm going to leave it in. What's the other person you told us? Uh, I don't know. Now we're insulting that guy. I feel guess. very vulnerable, though. But anyway, personal email. But anyway, I thought there was going to be some kickback. You know, a couple hours later after the podcast, I checked my email. They're like, all right, thanks for your hard work. (laughs) And that's it. They sent me one sentence. Wait a minute. So wait, nothing else. You you quit in an email and you have the nerve to be offended because they didn't try and convince you to stay or say something more? A little bit. (laughs) I thought it was more important to them. Yeah. Well, you were employee of the month. I mean, that's... uh that's fair. I got a gift card and everything. I, I don't believe in... Uh, oh, you got a gift card? How much? $20. That sounds better than nothing. Jim, 
before you quit, did you go on a shopping spree and fill up your fridge? Well, it's still no. good. You can still use I still it. Still have to pay it. Yeah. Yeah, well, you got a discount, right? It's it's minimal. It's not a very good employee discount, from what I've heard. Was was the gift card to your place of grocery concern? Yeah. <laughs> I so spent that last month, though. I spent that immediately. So you got as employee of of the month, they were like buy stuff from us for free. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And I was employee of the month in the department, not of the store. Oh, that's oh, a whole other thing. I mean, not the to shit department. I'm, not <laughs> you know, and it was also because my birthday was I quit like on my birthday. I was like, I don't want to go in tomorrow, it's my birthday. That's another thing. You we didn't know until then. You, I forgot, I've known you almost I two forgot years. about it. I didn't even inform you guys. You don't like to inform you don't like to uh, have people know information about you. I was yeah, really you surprised that it was on Facebook at all because Heather's been trying to find this out for I've been a long trying time. To find out well, his birthday. As soon as it was it was a reveal that I am in Aries, I felt like it was unnecessary to hide my birthday. Yeah, because he just didn't want me to know because he didn't want me to know what his sign was because he didn't want me to read his horoscope. Yeah. yeah. This is part of the Jim Heather dynamic, James. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> very I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Because I feel like Heather's trying to put me in a box oh, mm-hmm. via a horoscope. But then you started reading about horoscopes and, and you it's got into so it. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Right now, yeah, do it. My job is so casual about that kind of stuff. Like, I uh, my boss is pretty cool, yeah. So, I'll be like, um, I called him one time, I was like, hey, there's thinking about not coming in today. (laughs) What? Uh, Wow, yeah, I would like to do that. And he was like, and you know, I, 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 I asked, like, uh, I feel like there's not anything that needs my immediate attention. Yeah. And, uh, I was just kind of thinking about not coming to the and he was like, <laughs> wow. I don't, I've never had a job like that. Yeah. No. I'd be worried about all the backup from comparing one instrument to the next. Yeah. Which is what? You, uh, oh. Uh, John doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's what I heard when he was talking about his job. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that, that was a good BS. <laughs> John is the king of that. Believe Heather, me. What's my horoscope? Yeah. What's Jim's yeah. horoscope? Your horoscope. For now, is this Tuesday. a daily or yeah, is this like is a weekly? daily? This is a daily so for today. Okay, this is for t- no, it's for today. April thirteenth. It's still for today. Oh, you want your no? Like, yeah, I'll read you for tomorrow. It gives me tomorrow. Okay, do the one today. Because no, 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 the one tomorrow. for tomorrow sounds better. I think. But I want some perspective into what I was and going through today. To what you did already today. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I do that too sometimes. Yeah. Um. Okay. Aries. Yeah. You may be so worried about how a certain element of your future will play out that you are missing out on the present moment. Oh, my oh. God. If you keep projecting your fear and anxiety toward that future date, Aries, then you won't be present enough now to remedy what may come. Stay focused on doing the best you can do now, and you may be able to find a way to alter your path toward a much happier resolution. Positive energy draws Positive energy. That is a hundred percent true. Wow, See, Jim, it's amazing. It's so specific and not broadly worded. Yeah, so I mean that could only apply to you specific. and to literally nobody else. It's just good improv advice. Yeah, it, it is. was good improv advice. <laughs> Stop worrying about what's happening. Yeah, right. Stay committed to the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I've been thinking. That's why we should all live our lives. So like I guess part of the job update is then uh, with the real estate stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm just waiting for the state to mail my license to my broker, and I'm starting like training classes tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I've already learned some stuff, and I've been going house hunting and stuff with my roommate and his fiance um, via 
you know, another friend, real estate agent, and uh, I'm learning about it. And Do you want to? You could mention them, right? Oh yeah, John Miller. John Miller, former uh, star of Monster Noises. Yeah, mm. former podcast guest. Yeah, and he's been showing me the programs they use at the office and stuff like that. So, and he just got his license as well. And he just got his license, and he's already got, uh, you know, a closing, and he's got a couple. He's showing people houses and stuff. Yeah. He's got a couple leads, and uh, yeah, right. but he's also like he's got a hustle because he's. You know, got a family to support. Yeah, you got those three kids, man. So, and then the other thing I'm doing is um, just to supplement my income right now, doing some headshots for people. Yeah, ridiculously cheap, like 35 bucks, right? Yeah, I'm doing $35 headshots. Yeah. Because it's not like I'm going on location or anything. Just come to my apartment for an hour and I do some portraits. Yeah. And then I uh, just send them. Yeah, you can see Jim Harper on Facebook. He actually does really good headshots. Yeah, and then I just send them, you know, the best dozen or two dozen. Yeah. Uh, and I let them pick which ones they want. You know, it's not just for headshots. It's, you know, if you want like Facebook profile pictures and stuff like bondage. that. Bondage. Mm-hmm. Like LinkedIn, if you want a good picture for your LinkedIn account, you yeah. know. If you just think that you're really pretty and you want to stare at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I had Jim take my picture. And I don't regret it. Yeah. So for 35 bucks, it's good. You know, it's worth it to me because I'm getting better at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, you are. You got a softbox too, which really makes it look professional. Yeah, yeah. The lighting's better. He uses it box? as his regular room light. Do you really? No, I use a softbox. Damn it. Why did I believe you, John? A softbox. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. A softbox. So it's a diffused. It's a big diffused. Yeah. I'd say you use the softbox as the room light. Like you just turn it on in the middle of the day. Like it's your light fixture. Sometimes. You, you know, do. to cure my sad. Yeah, okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Jim has seasonal uh, affective disorder. Mm-hmm. Now, before we move on, Jim, is there anything related to your job that you're not telling us? I don't want to get off mic and have you say, oh, by the way, I sold my first house. Oh, Even though that? I don't have my license or anything. Anything, anything job related. related. Yeah. That you're, we're going to stop think, recording. You'll you be like, have to think that hard oh, it. by the way, guys, I murdered a guy at work today. Yeah. That counts as a job update, by the way. I didn't murder anyone. I All had right. a dream. I, nope, I not, murdered someone. No. That's a different segment. Yeah. Do, that's the dream segment, Heather. Dream. We should do dream analysis segments. I don't have dreams. Not anymore. I don't really have that many dreams. No. I do. All my dreams are like TV When I was shows. a youngster, I did. Now I don't <laughs> dream of anything. Mm. You guys don't want to hear about my dreams. No. Uh, Heather, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on in your dreams. Well, not with me. Ha- uh, John, that could be... <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. John, I haven't be- had sex dreams about any of you yeah. lately. 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 Me, never. Lately. Anyway, John. <laughs> John had a really interesting dream. He told everyone at um, the restaurant at Tower the other night. Remember that, John? Yeah. Because I wrote, it was interesting enough. I wrote it down when I woke up. Does anybody have a job update? Otherwise, I looked at a flyer for a position. Nope, doesn't count, John. <laughs> I'm adding an extra day back to my work schedule. Nope, doesn't count. I downloaded an app to look for jobs. No, how's that different from looking at a flyer? It's on my phone. Oh God, flyer anyway. app. I yeah. had to sign in, and that took a lot of work. You signed in through Facebook, didn't you? No, I never do that. Oh, do you? Okay, interesting. Privacy. So if anyone is looking to buy or sell a house, get in touch with me. And or, if they or would also, headshots. Yeah, or both. Or, or family photos. Or headshots. Oh, Jim. I don't know if I... I could... Couples, babies, infants, uh, toddlers, babies. You know, pets. My lighting setup right now is really just for like a single face. It's, uh, it, I'd have to upgrade. Sports teams, choirs. Jazz, uh, jazz choirs. Uh, sports photography. Uh, ice skating you a look-alike contest yeah reenactments of heather's dreams oh <gasps> civil war reenactors 
Oh, that would be good in costume. Yes. Well, so uh, otherwise, how would it be pitch. if they weren't in costume? How would it be a Civil War reenacting? In spirit. Tom. Yeah, acting. No, I guess character work. John, do you have a fact of the week? Before the fact of the week, here's my <laughs> pitch for Jim. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're going house to house with people and taking headshots of them at every house that you check out, or, or maybe just the house they buy. Well, that's going to be another thing. Is if I start getting listings, I want to learn how to take good photography of houses. Mm-hmm. Because that makes a big difference. It's very important. It is important. Yeah. And this is what you call your business. The headshot, the heart, and the X factor. See how it all ties in, guys? John, give me your fact of the week. (laughs) Uh, This is a fact that I chose because of James's short stature. Mm. Yeah, Um, he's a shrimp. Napoleon Bonaparte was actually 5'7". He was not a midget or little person. Sorry. (laughs) Listen, I don't keep up on all the political correctness. I don't know why that was so funny. I was yelled at about that one time. But the funny thing about that was I was looking at this guy's car and his car says like 1-800-GET-MIDGE. And I'm like, this dude obviously does not care. And this guy's like, my sister's a little person. That's offensive. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry your sister's offended that I did not say that to her. Yeah. But Napoleon Bonaparte, getting back to the fact, <laughs> he was 5'7", uh, which was an average male height at his time. Yeah. Um, and his shortness was all British propaganda, so uh, everyone else would feel they were superior to him. And all this like Napoleon complex bullshit is just off a lie. Probably. It was all a lie. That is so funny, actually. Just imagine, like, like the highest levels of like military strategies. Like, dude, we'll say he's short. That'll show him. <laughs> you know what else was military <laughs> propaganda? Uh, carrots helping your eyesight. Yeah, we developed radar, and because we didn't the British, want the British, yeah, during the yeah, they didn't World want anyone else to realize they had radar. They're like, oh well, we're eating a lot of carrots, so we can see far. That's absolutely true. What the fuck? <laughs> also, Vladimir Putin smells, guys. He smells really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. always Putin. Yep. And imagine I, brought that, that, I brought that on myself. Yeah, imagine, imagine him in that submarine by himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is he by himself? Because he can pilot it. Yeah, he's, so, he's amazing. Do anything. He's also great at improv, by the way. Little known fact about Vladimir Putin. That he came up in the improv ranks. Great scene work, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, it's been a lovely episode. Thanks once again <laughs> to our guest, James Casada. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, look for him. He's directing. Uh, well, is the parent driver just going to be a one night only thing or are they going to do that more? You have any other things you want to plug? Pointless shows? Uh, yeah. Pointless is a new theater. So please come check that out uh, on Ann Arbor and uh, check out Future Kids. They only got a, a, a good six week run left before. Uh, they retire off the Sunday buffet and move on to what's next. So yeah, and I heard they got into the Chicago Improv Festival. Uh, Festival. So congrats to them on that. Yeah, we're nice going one, Chicago and Omaha yeah, in May. That's right. Uh, Ooh, Andy. when is the Chicago Improv Festival? We could go first weekend of May. It's uh, whatever those dates are, like the third through the eighth. That's really soon. Yeah, road trip, rent a bus, private jet. We could take a mega bus out there for a dollar. Yeah, you drive, can take a mega bus out there. Why don't we drive a car? Because there's a mega bus. It's not just a bus. It's mega. Yeah, I think we'd kill each other in that long car ride. Anyway. Four. Drive. The Wizard. Jim Harper. Drive? I got a license. The Warrior. Jim's the best driver. The Warrior. John Yar. You know Jim was a trucker. I do know. 
Oh, and the maiden true, Heather Anonymous. You drive something worth it. It's I'm your exasperated time. host, Tony Agusti, but not really. I'm just the reluctant you. hero. Yeah, you the reluctant the hero. hero. No, you am I the hero? hero I, I wonder sometimes. But I do know enough to say, play us out, Jim. After that prom! <laughs> I knew. It's a bold choice. Yeah. <laughs>